The moment you realized you were mistaking your kids for co-workers... Okay, team, I'm uh, taking my 15 now. Taking 15 what? ...was the moment you knew it was time to get back to work. Let's job it up. At CareerBuilder, our simple, customizable search tool lets you search for part-time, full-time, and even work-from-home jobs, so you can find a job that fits your lifestyle. Get started now at CareerBuilder.com. Hi, this is Bob Costas, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, iHeart, and, of course, Amazon Music. Just find that podcast button wherever you get your podcasts. For example, on an Apple phone, you find the podcast purple button. Tap it, hit search, type in ML Sports Platter, hit subscribe, and new and archived episodes of The Platter will go right into your smartphone device. And you'll want to definitely download because the thing I pride myself on is guests. You got to have the content. I've learned that. Yeah, I learned that a long time ago in radio, obviously. And the guests on this show, you know, they're, they're fantastic. Um, try to get the best people out there. Baseball great Ron Bloomberg, <clears throat> Golong's Tyler Dunn, Adrian Wojnarowski, Bob Casas, Doug Flutie. Barstool Sports is Eric Hubs, Marv Levy, Buffalo Bills Hall of Fame head coach, New York Rangers voice Sam Rosen, just a few of the guests from the recent weeks. We are brought to you by Bryant and Stratton College, Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual, New York State, and CNY Electrical. Log on to cnyelectrical.com for residential and commercial electrical needs. Lean on Sean and the team. CNYelectrical.com. CNYelectrical.com. A proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. So before I bring in Kevin Kernan, the amazing baseball writer and insider for Ball Nine, uh, to talk all things Major League Baseball, uh, what the Yankees Astros series last week taught us, um, and and much more. Um, what's made the Dodgers so good for a long time, not just you know easily looking at an all-star roster. We have a lot of topics to cover in baseball. The Angels releasing Albert Pujols. Uh, so we'll get into a lot of that here momentarily. But I've been doing, uh, and I think a lot of people uh, uh, who've been hitting me up on social media and all the rest, kind of catching on to it, um, I've been doing NFL draft recaps for all the divisions. And... I did the AFC East already. I did the AFC North, of course, with the Jets, Dolphins, Bills, Patriots, Browns, Bengals, Ravens, Steelers. And now uh, I am going to do the AFC South and break down um, what these teams have done. And so um, I want to really dive into it uh, big time because... I think there's a lot of things going on in the AFC South, a lot of moving parts. Um, there's a lot, a lot of potential in that division. They've obviously struggled with a lot of things. Let's start with the Houston Texans. Clearly, we know what the story is with them. Deshaun Watson, will he or won't he play with the <clears throat> accusations against him? And so the Houston Texans went and got a quarterback. Um, they didn't have – it was amazing the Texans – they didn't have any picks in the first and second rounds, <laughs> you know? So they didn't pick till the third round. I mean, could you imagine, you know, being a franchise and and 
like Thursday the draft comes up. No picks. Oh, it's Friday. Ah, no picks again. You, know, you got to wait all the way to Saturday, um, you know, for a pick. Or I guess was it Friday? Was it Friday that we had the rounds two and three? I can't even remember. But either way, you had to wait a day or two days, you know, to get to get your first pick under your belt. And it was a good one. I mean, I think they did a, a nice job here getting Davis Mills. You know, he'll go to Houston. He'll grow under Deshaun Watson if Deshaun Watson is cleared and plays and all the rest. But if he doesn't, you know, Houston might look right towards him. And David Shaw, the head coach of Stanford, obviously he's going to defend his boy. He's going to he's going to he's going to defend uh, his player. But he went on uh, the Rich Eisen show last week, and I heard that interview. And Shaw is just terrific with the media. And he just waxed poetic about him. He said, "You know, you're going to get a big time leader. You're going to get you're going to get just a fantastic player." Um, <clears throat> maybe Davis Mills is the guy who ends up being the best quarterback at the last, right? We don't know. I mean, <clears throat> you never know with these things. It's such a crapshoot. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. We know the talent of the first rounders, Mac Jones, Trey Lance. I think a few of these guys at least are going to work out. I mean, I would bank on three of those five working out. And it, you know, Davis Mills going into a Houston team, what might not work for him, of course, would be his surrounding, right? I mean, I, you know... They don't have a great offensive line. Their defense is in shambles. They don't have a lot of playmaking weapons, et cetera, et cetera. And DeAndre Hopkins is long gone. So, you know, new coaches, new coordinators, this and that. And the other thing, that could be a possibility down the line where when they struggle a little bit in the beginning of Mills' career, they go and fire people, and then he's got to start over. So he could go into one of those situations. He could be in a bad situation like a Sam Darnold and find a new home later. We'll see what happens. But I thought Houston did its due diligence in taking a QB based on the Deshaun Watson situation. Other than that, they didn't really have a sexy draft. I would probably grade them out at a C. You know, they had Nico Collins, Michigan wide receiver, a playmaker there to add. Um, you know, they need a ton of wide receiver help, I think. Tight end, they need tight end help. They brought in Brevin Jordan from Miami. And then a TCU inside linebacker and in Garrett Wallow and Roy Lopez from Arizona, the D-tackle, to just add some pieces on defense. Guys who you know, again, it's a crapshoot. You never know what they're going to do. But I didn't think the Texans did anything wild. They didn't do anything sexy. And I can't really grade them really high because they didn't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick. So that's that. Let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts, who I thought had a B-plus draft. And it starts, of course, with their first pick, the defensive end, the talented Quiddy Pay. If you know his story, you got to love it. Uh, he plays with a great level of confidence flashes the ability to make plays in the backfield, of course, stopping the run, chases the quarterback with uh, just a, a vengeance, and he does need to get better with the hands and all the rest, but he's got some unbelievable tools, and he's got a wicked closing burst and can change direction, great balance. Elite pass rusher is a title that you might say after Quiddy Pay in a couple of years. He's that good. He's versatile. You can kick him inside, and he can transition to play as a 3-4 outside linebacker as well, which he was very familiar with at Michigan. Um, you know, they run a 4-3 old-school deal there in Indy with Matt uh, Aberfluss, the defensive coordinator. Uh, it's like a 4-3 stack uh, you want to rush the front four. It's, it, it's, you, you live off of rushing the front four. Uh, we'll see how much he can help that Colts defense. Remember, the Colts ranked 28th in the NFL in pressure rate since Chris Ballard became the GM in 2017. So, uh, you know, you add Justin Houston. Um, excuse me, Justin. you lose Justin Houston. 
Uh, and, you know, Dennis Kowatry signed with Tennessee. So, could he pay as a day one starter? And he's got a wicked, wicked high ceiling. I love this pick. Uh, elsewhere, Deo Odeingbo from Vanderbilt. Know nothing about him. Defensive end, again, looking to shore up more of the pass rush. Good job by Ballard there. Uh, they got the kid Granson, the tight end out of SMU. Florida safety, Sean Davis. Sam Ellinger from Texas to try and back some things up and maybe create some more competition at quarterback. We know Phillip Rivers is retired, and of course, Sam Darnold, or um, uh, Carson Wentz is now there. A lot of moving parts at quarterback from the offseason. You know, Darnold and Wentz and uh, guys retiring, Rivers and Breeze retiring. So uh, a lot of excitement there. I think you get Sam Ellinger. I think you stole him in, in the sixth round. I think Ellinger could be a really, really good pro. Very serviceable backup at the very least. And hey, you never know, in a year or two down the line under a system with Frank Reich and some offensive weapons, if Wentz doesn't work out, Ellinger could be a diamond in the rough. You just don't know. Uh, Mike Strachan out of Charleston, don't know anything about him. Wide receiver, again, more playmaking help there for the Colts. And Will Freeze out of Penn State, offensive tackle to help support the quarterback. So that was the Colts uh, draft. You know, pretty solid, I thought. Jacksonville, I think, you know, look, you got to give him an A. I mean... They had a million picks as well. That's what happens when you stink. They get Trevor Lawrence. Decision-making, 6'6", 220 pounds, quick release, strong arm, footwork, a little inconsistent, but the touch, timing, and the way he anticipates is just absolutely through the roof. Extends plays with his feet, and he can throw on the run as well. This is the closest thing we've had to Andrew Luck uh, and, and, you know, John Elway probably. I think this is the closest thing to those type of players. Peyton Manning, uh, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, John Elway, those type of guys. Um, and I don't even think Aaron Rodgers coming out of college was really, really blow away. Um, he was in a, a terrific offense with you know Deshaun Jackson and J.J. Arrington with Jeb Tefford and company. But I don't think that Aaron Rodgers wreaked the accolades that these other guys you know, coming out did, like uh, Elway, uh, you know, the Elway-Marino sort of uh, blend and build and all the rest, and Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. <clears throat> Trevor Lawrence does. Trevor Lawrence, you know, this is as close to a generational guy, at least coming out of college, as we've seen in quite some time. I, I-, I love the rest of their draft. I-, I love all these other players they got. I think they're all going to be really good. Travis Etienne, you bring a teammate from Clemson, familiarity with Trevor Lawrence. You're trying to really make instant impact with these playmakers. And, you know, look, the Jags need a big-time jolt across the board. I think they can get it with Etienne and with Trevor Lawrence. I love the second-round pick, Tyson Campbell. And, again, when you stink in the NFL, you've got to have a lot of picks, which then translate into filling a lot of holes because you just you need help everywhere because you're terrible across the board. The Jaguars' pass rush stinks. Their coverage stinks. Uh, uh, you, you know, it, 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 they need offensive playmakers, right? They're going in with an Urban Meyer regime. <clears throat> Travis Etienne's a stud, and that was a terrific pick. It really was. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, geez, you could have taken Elijah Moore, you know, receivers, this and that, the other thing. But they got a wide receiver way late in the sixth round, which we'll get to, out of Georgia Tech. And maybe they're content with what they have at, at wideouts. The only argument I would have made, you know, what, I mean, Elijah Moore was on the board. And I think Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss is a first-round talent. That's the only other guy I would have taken ahead of Travis Etienne. <clears throat> but again, I commend Jacksonville because they went out and got what they want and they found familiarity 
college teammates now together. Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence. Same thing with Devontae Smith in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. They played at Alabama. Same thing with Jalen Waddell and Tuatunga Viola in Miami. Played at Alabama. Same thing in Cincinnati. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow played at LSU. So this is going to be, I think, a really good fit for Travis Etienne. I love Tyson Campbell in the second round for Georgia. A corner. Uh, was just getting into that a second ago. They need more guys who have potential to be blanket corners. Uh, Walker Little out of Stanford, offensive tackle, really great reviews there. Awesome footwork and can really stop uh, you know, the pass rush in terms of running and passing game. I think he's going to be really good. They need, obviously, help there uh, in, in front. they got to build in the trenches as well to protect Trevor Lawrence. I'm biased to Andre Sisco, the safety out of Syracuse. I mean, this guy's an interception machine. Uh, he's super versatile, great size, and uh, you can scheme him, and he is phenomenal on third down. So I think they got a real gem in Andre Sisco. USC defensive tackle, Jay uh, Tufele. They should be able to, uh, Tufele, uh, Tufe, Tufele, Tufele, I can't remember how to pronounce that, but either way, uh, D-tackle, again, shore up the trenches. Jordan Smith, UAB, defensive end, shore up the trenches, get more pass rush. Luke Farrell at Ohio State, a tight end. I think this is a good one, too. The guy played on the big stage. He was catching passes from Justin Fields, knows what it takes. He's awesome on third down. Great security blanket type pick here for Trevor Lawrence. And then Jalen Camp out of Georgia Tech taken as a wide receiver for this Jaguar bunch. I'd give him an A. Uh, they had plenty of picks to, you know, to choose from. And I think that they, uh, I think they struck it pretty well here. I do. I think this is a good draft for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Finally, how about the Tennessee Titans? I'm going to give them a B. I don't think they did anything wildly sexy. I didn't think they had a bad draft by any stretch of the imagination, but I can't give them an average grade. I got to give them at least a B because Caleb Farley, I think, has the potential to be just that blend of size, length, great speed. We know he has the back issues as well, but he's got such a great mind for the game and he recognizes plays early. He, he, he He's a ball hawk. Um, he could be an absolute steal for the Titans. We'll see. We'll see. You know, and they released Adoree Jackson... Um, you know, and, and, and Christian Fulton, who was picked in the second round of 2020, he had a knee injury, uh, just six games played. Malcolm Butler, Desmond King, they're gone free agents, right? So, uh, this is a big time move for Tennessee. He could be the new cornerstone corner. I love it for the Titans and Mike Vrabel's defense. Dylan, red news, uh, out of North Dakota State, don't know anything about him. Offensive tackle, obviously he can never have enough offensive linemen. Monty Rice out of Georgia, inside linebacker. They're hoping to be a really good potential impact player. Elijah Molden out of Washington, a corner. Des Fitzpatrick, a wide receiver out of Louisville, continuing to get help for the play-action pass of Ryan Tannehill. Des Fitzpatrick um, out of Louisville is a burner as well. I mean, I think he's a guy who you can really send down the field and try to open things up. Rashad Weaver, the defensive end out of Pittsburgh, LSU wide receiver, Racy McMath, and Brady Breeze, the Oregon safety. So the Titans really wanted to shore up both sides of the football. They had quite a few picks. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They had eight picks in the draft, and you lead it off there with Caleb Farley, a potential shutdown corner. Excellent stuff by the Titans Brass. I'll give him a B and Mike Vrabel. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by Axe Exotic Pets. If you're in and around Central New York, head on over to Axe Exotic Pets, Route 11 in Cicero. They've got your turtles, your snakes, the special birds and all the rest, aquariums, uh, aquariums galore, and of course the food for all of your special exotic pets as well. Axe Exotic Pets, 
a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Thanks also to Western New York OTB and Batavia Downs Gaming, Rosie's Corner, Sit Means Sit Syracuse, and our great friends at Liverpool Physical Therapy. Post-op needs, shoulder, back, you name it. Get over to Liverpool Physical Therapy in and around Central New York, right there on Old Liverpool Road. Pete and the gang doing a great job. Liverpool Physical Therapy, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Well, let's talk some baseball now and bring him in. Kevin Kernan, America's most beloved sports writer. He is killing it for the great platform that is Ball 9. Go visit him online at ball9.com. Kevin has come out with some awesome pieces just recently. We'll dive into that. We're going to dive into what makes the Dodgers so good. We'll recap the Astros-Yankees series from last week in terms of what it means long-term for those two teams moving forward. Garrett Cole is a pitcher, what he sees. Let's talk to Kevin Kernan on Twitter at AMBS underscore Kernan, the fantastic 45-year baseball writer, all a part of Ball 9 right now. KK, how are you? Doing great, Mike. Uh, can't beat it. Let's get into um, the, the uh, you know, kind of a recap of the Astros-Yankees series. Um, this is being uh, obviously recorded after that, uh, but as people hear this, it's still very important, obviously. Uh, take me through what you saw in the series, what it says about the Yankees moving forward, Houston moving forward. Are, are there any extra signs? And I thought that third game, I know the Yankees still won the series, but Mike, you cannot blow those games when Garrett Cole is, is pitching like that. No, those are what I call um, playoff previews. When you when you face, you know, a game you really should win. You got your race going, and and Cole Cole has to establish himself as the guy that's going to be like uh, unbeatable, and they, they haven't done that. And if you really look closely, and I'm not picking on the Yankees. I mean, most teams stink, you know, or, or average, but you know they didn't really. You know, Grinky was terrible in that series. So so the one game that they really had, it, you can actually make the argument. And they're not. They're, I don't think they're as good as the Yankees, but you can make the argument that the the Astros showed a little more toughness than the Yankees did by hanging in there and then winning that third game, uh, and then having that crazy play where they didn't cover their bases and the shift, of course, which we've been saying forever, you can beat the shift in so many ways. Uh, but I thought, I thought, I think coming out of that series, the Astros got to be thinking to themselves, okay, we took their best shot. Uh, they're at home. They had their fans. Uh, they had. Cole going in the last game for a sweep, and we won that game. And our guy stepped up, Altuve, with the big home run, tomahawking, tomahawking a home run, Mike, um, on a pitch that you're not going to do if you're doing launch angle. You got to be a hitter to hit that pitch. So, so I think the Yankees um, really. Some of the, I actually think their weaknesses showed throughout that series, and I think the Yankees fans are still deluding themselves, thinking they're the best team in American League. There's no doubt. I mean, it's still a very flawed team, and you can't lose, you know, up 3-2 like that. I thought Cole should have pitched the eighth inning as well, Kevin. Oh, don't get me started. 97 pitches, and he was rolling. No reason to pull him. None. You know, part of my problem, Mike, is I'm I'm 67 years old. I'll be 68 on July 4th. And um, I remember pitchers getting tougher, stronger as they go along. Mm-hmm. And 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 neat that that's the difference maker between a, 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 a really good pitcher and a great pitcher. They don't let those games go. And if you allow yourself to get taken out uh, after 97 pitches in a game you've got to win, 
then then that's on you. And I think Cole, uh, he's got to toughen up a little bit. And 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 here's the other thing: no, we haven't gotten to this, but I'm so glad you brought the whole situation up with Cole. Uh, where do you think they're going to be with uh, Green as the, as the year goes on? They're going to burn that guy out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he's he's pitching way too much early in the year. I know, I know, it was a good pitch that Altuve hit, but you know, we're still just barely out of April, and this guy's you know they're, they're using him all the time, and it shows how desperate they are. And they're also it's already started. It's already started. We're starting to see some injuries now because some of those guys are a little bit older and uh, they're really not athletes. And uh, the, I think the best thing in the series was Torres getting the base hit through the hole, just a little back control, which he has to do, and then running the bases with abandon, which he has to do. Um, but Judge, they're still getting Judge out on. Uh, you know, I, I think I said this to you last time or the previous time. They're going to pitch Judge low, and yep. they're going to get him out, and yep. then occasionally go high, and that's what they do. And they're going to figure. And Stanton too. If you looked at that Tresley at bat, to me it was key with Stanton because Stanton is absolutely on fire now. You can't take anything away from him. Anything that he can reach, he's going to he's going to crush. But Presley, just, he he got him to ground out in a big situation and uh, late in the game, and, and and Presley didn't have his best stuff, but he attacked Stanton so smartly. Um, he, he, in that at bat, he threw a fastball in on Stanton's hands. I rode it on him. Stanton had the most defensive swing, and basically, uh, from that point forward, you knew Presley was going to win that at bat. It's for the life of me, I don't understand why everybody who faces Stanton, unless you're, and he, even Ryan Yarbrough could do it with his uh, 87, from, uh, you know, uh, cutters and things like that from the race, the lefty, but. You gotta pitch this guy inside. He 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 he. You can see. I talked to a scout about it this morning, and the scout says that he still sets up like he's he's a little bit uh, defensive in there, meaning he doesn't want to get hit. And the way he sets himself up is where he can get to that pitch, he, he, and he drives into it. But he's so far away that there's a huge hole right there. And that's why when you get to the postseason and the Yankees stumble some somewhere along the line, it's because they face those good pitchers who know what they're doing. There's no doubt. And, and back to what you were saying, you know, the, the pitcher gets better as he goes along. In today's day and age, the modern world, we don't have Seaver and Gibson and, and, and those type of play, pitchers, but we do have a few that that are from that cloth. You know, they're, they're built, they're throwbacks, we like to call them. And I think Garrett Cole is one of those guys. He's a perfectionist. He's out there. I love his mannerisms. I love watching him go. And as he goes, you know, he gives up the home run to Alvarez, immediately adjusts, immediately starts dominating again. I just, I, I thought yesterday was, as we record this, just a game where, you know what, like, give Garrett Cole the ball. I mean, are you not, are you paying Chad Green $324 million a year? No, you're not. And by the way, Chad Green. Yeah, not only is he going to get burned out, Kevin, but you never know what you're going to get from that guy anyway. It's either the good green or the bad green. That was an opportunity for one guy and one guy only, Garrett Cole. Yeah, and I I want to take what you're saying a step further. It's not that we don't have the Gibsons or the Seavers. It's it's that we don't have the uh, Frank Cashins or the Bing Devines or the GMs that ran those shows that allowed these guys to go that far and to, to stretch them out fur- even further and tell them it's your game. You know, the whole idea of this whole philosophy is so uh, flawed of of. You know, we're going to beat you by outsmarting you. We got the smarter analytical team. No, sometimes it just comes down to I got a fastball that you can't touch and I'm throwing it. And even Cole falls into that 
problem sometimes. He listens too much to the coaches. Uh, game, game, uh, first game of the year, he's winning two to one. Uh, he, he's, he, he blows a couple fastballs by Tiasco Hernandez, I believe. Then he throws him a, a, a slider that hangs and he hits it for a home run tie game. These pitchers have got to take the game back. They need to do, you know, I wasn't really, ha- I'm not really a big fan of Strowman, some of the stuff he pulls, but I, I will tell you this. I, I liked it the other day when Jeremy Hefner came to the mound and you could just basically read Strowman's lips like, what are you doing out here? I got this under control. Get the hell out of here. And then he walked off the mound. That's what a Garrett Cole has to do. They have to get away from these Matt Blake nerds of the world that think they can sequence and talk about everything. You know what? My fastball is better than your swing, and I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to beat you. And then maybe when you get him so high, you know, so geared up for the fastball, then then you drop that breaking ball or whatever or change up. But you got to be able to to finish it off. But the, the, I'm I'm going to scare you right now. I talked to a scout this morning who was a minor league game. And he saw, you know how many pitchers were in the game? Not pitchers, but pitches. 500 pitches in a minor league, low-class A game. 500. And they're bringing guys in left and right. Nobody goes uh, too far into the game. Uh, one of the young studs for one of the teams is starting to pitch. And and, and um, he, uh, he, he, he had a great fastball, third batter of the game. Screwed up covering first base, and the team beat the day before the team screwed up four times on PFP type plays for pitchers. He ran into the runner and hurt his knee. So the, these guys, my point here is that these guys in charge don't know what they're looking at, don't know what they're doing, don't know how to set them up for the future, and it's worse now than ever. At least the Garrett Coles had some guys through his minor league. Uh, uh, trips through through the pirate system, and I remember going speaking to him and, and also at UCLA, who kind of treated him like a horse, and he had to learn to be a horse. But now, you know, they, they've taken that all away from all these pitchers. They're, they're, they're always, you know, what it, it's 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 the what if generation. They're worried about this, worried about that. What if, what if, what if? You know what? Worry about that day, win that day, and build from there. And 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 the Yankees are leading the pack in that what if type generation, and uh, and the Mets aren't too far behind too with with the recent uh, firing of Chili Davis. Yeah, it's well said, Kevin Kernan, Ball Nine, Ball Nine dot com at AMBS underscore Kernan on Twitter. Give him a follow; it's a must. Uh, last time we spoke, you had said at the end, remind me to tell you why, uh, and I may be paraphrasing a little bit here, why the Dodgers are so good. Now, I know currently they have had some recent struggles. They got swept by the Cubs. Seager looks a little shaky at short, but they're still the Dodgers. It's a long year, and they should win that division and be there in the end. So I will let you uh, explain it to my listeners. Yeah, sure, it's easy to look at the roster and say, all-star, all-star, MVP, future Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, Kershaw to Bellinger to Betts to the next guy. But what? why are they so good? What's inside the Dodger walls there, Kevin? Well, one of the things that Dodgers do, they remind me of the old, uh, not that old, but the San Francisco Giants under Bochy. When I talked to a lot of the players uh, covering that 2010, 12, and 14 teams that win the world championship, they would tell me the same thing. They said around July... Bochy would start putting the bullpen together the way he wanted for the playoffs. And I think that's where the Dodgers have an advantage. Not only do they have lots of talent and um, 
you know, and that's good. But they're so deep for the most part that that they also have guys that come come playoff time will be used in little different roles. Like you'll you'll get a you'll get a closer out of one of the starting rotation type guys, and it could be anybody. Now that's the main injury is tough. But to be honest with you, I, I never liked his his motion, Dustin May, and I don't think I've ever spoke highly of him on the show about you, with you. But uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna run into some situations. Uh, but for the most part, I think Kershaw sets a tone for those guys. Seager sets a tone, and Betts, of course, sets a tone. Betts isn't you can see that Betts isn't himself yet. But once they get to the postseason, that team understands what it means gearing up for the postseason and getting it together. And that means guys taking on different roles uh, and they won't be burned out by that. Whereas I think other teams you're going to see be burned out by then. And you're seeing it already with the Padres. The Padres the Padres have some pitching issues already. They have some guys go down and they talk a lot, but the Padres still uh, do, do a little weak. And I'm going to tell you something that's really crazy. But I think down the road, if the Rockies can get their act together, I'm not, I'm not saying this year, but I, I could see the Rockies making changes. I think they're one of the. I think, and the reason I'm saying this, I think the Rockies are so desperate to kind of get on the right path that they may down the road go into baseball things. And I think if a team takes on a baseball objective, you're going to be better than anybody else. And uh, and that's what the Dodgers do. Now they could lose that overnight too. The Dodgers could get all of a sudden start thinking, uh, you know, they're better than they are and all this other stuff. But Turner, he's right up there and leading the league. And, hey, he's a tough guy, too. You know, so, so they have they have a toughness about them and also talent. And the other thing they do, and this is very important, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Win Reality. Um, Win Reality is a virtual – it's a virtual um, – it's virtual. Basically, you put on the uh, the Oculus, and you can you can mimic. They have the TrackMan data, right? So it's a program where you can put in the you can face Jacob Degrom, and you actually are facing the actual TrackMan from the ballpark's data, and it's actually it's actually uh, Degrom and or whoever they're facing pitching. So you can get these at bats in your room, in your hotel room, in the ballpark. You can take six or seven at-bats before the game against the guy you're facing that night. And the Dodgers were way ahead of anybody else on this. They got into this program. I wrote about it about a few weeks ago for Ball 9. But it's a program that's – it can also be – it's really geared more towards the amateur level. But they want – to get to the amateur level, you got to show it in the, in the, uh, the highest level. And the Dodgers, to their credit – dug right into this and, and um you know and bellinger when he was having his mvp season he was big on this stuff so the dodgers have their hitters using this virtual reality system so they're actually getting games in before the games are even played it's a it sounds kind of crazy and if everybody thinks i'm an old man at young at clouds i'll know i'm not i'm way ahead of the clouds here you know what i'm saying it's sunshine now and, and and that's what the dodgers do better than other teams and they have the most from what i've heard they have the most advanced because other major league teams have it, um, a lot of teams have it, but nobody has the system set up as, as efficiently as the Dodgers have it set up. During the season of giving, you might give away more than you want. Sweater for mom, video game for Jake, and my credit card for someone named Gina? 
More online activity can mean more exposed personal info. But LifeLock by Norton has identity theft protection all wrapped up. And if you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions. But you can save up to 25% off your first year with promo code LifeLock. Visit LifeLock.com today. Welcome to Parent-Teacher Night. Oh, yes, Miss Garner. If you have one of those airline credit cards, you're probably not earning double miles on every purchase. You're right. My card only gets extra miles on some types of purchases. With the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles everywhere. Wait, but where can we use them? You can use Capital One Venture Miles on any travel purchase. Venture gets an A+. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. I haven't really woken up. Oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. You know, it's unbelievable. You look, you look around baseball and people, oh my gosh, the Red Sox, look at the start, right? And most people are surprised, I guess, 19 and 13, but they're only two and a half better than the Yankees. They're only, they're only three and a half better than the Orioles. Cleveland is in first, but they're only a half a game better than the White Sox. Six games. Exactly. You know, right. So like, it's so, I mean, I guess this is baseball, like Oakland, like, oh, the, 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 the huge win streak after the slow start. They're only a game and a half better than Seattle. Uh, you know, it's a couple games here, one game there, and the wild card will be tighter than ever. I mean, do you see anybody, this is the question, do you see anybody being able to break away from a division this year? I don't. Right? I don't point, either. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, 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 I this is kind of an out there statement too, but uh, I'm usually pretty accurate on my stuff. I think Toronto has the potential. If Toronto had Springer healthy, oh, they're scary. They, yeah. they, they would be super scary. Yeah. And here's why: it's not just because of the talent they have, and, and credit Vlad Guerrero. He's really done himself well. He he, he loved. He he really took on the first base challenge. He's doing a great job at first base. BGO struggling a little bit. Um, and, and, um, and uh, uh, Bichette is having some trouble with his throws. But those young kids are all pretty good for the most part. And Springer would have gave him that toughness. Now, he's got to get right, got to get healthy, and they could be a dangerous team because they also have, and this is the key, Pete Walker's, a, to me, the best. Uh, and I, I don't know Pete. I just know his work. But to me, he's the best pitching coach in baseball. He's taking those three lefties he has. There. Now, Rue might be, I think Rue, he's, he's out injured. But what he's done with Robbie Ray is off the charts. And I'll give you a perfect example how a pitching coach makes a difference. Ray had that one good year, I think, where he won 18 games, and then he had like four or five pitch, depending on what team he is with they, they change pitching coaches he's had four or five pitching coaches over five years whatever the heck it was and so when he went to meet with Pete Walker Walker basically said hey just you know let's go look at some video here from what you were doing back when you won 18 and it was pretty simple let's get back to that so in other words he's doing what we were just talking about letting these pitchers be themselves being at their best whatever which whatever works for them and going from there the problem with all these analytical-based teams, they have so many guys 
uh, in the mix. So many chefs in the kitchen that you're always trying to tinker with this, tinker with that. And before you know it, it affects the pitching staff. And I think if the if the if if the Blue Jays can ever stay healthy, get Springer back, I think they could be a scary team. But uh, it, it's 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 there's this media. Well, I said it many years ago, Mike. They all run the same. What happens if every if you no matter pick any business. You pick any business, and all the companies in that business all run basically by the same personality, same people, same way. It's all going to be the same. It's all going to be mediocre, you know. Yeah. And and that's and that's where we are with Major League Baseball. That's why I think the opportunity is there for a team to just jump late years ahead. I'll tell you one team that's done it already a little bit. They haven't done it on the hitting side, but if you start watching Marlins games, oh yeah. Yeah. These kids know they know how to pitch, mm-hmm. and they brought they just brought in this uh, brought up this guy Bender. Uh, two days ago, I watched him pitch. Wow! Uh, you, you, you think Chad Green? You know, because Chad Green is kind of he's 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 known as a good reliever. Uh, but this kid was—I mean, his ball moves like you wouldn't believe. The the Marlins, um, Gary Dembo and Jeter have figured it out pitching wise. They haven't figured it out. And, and uh, you know they've had some injuries too offensively, but they haven't figured it out offensively because you got to spend a lot of money usually to get those big bats sometimes, and they can't afford to spend that money. So I think that uh, until you know until the Marlins can go out and get some some real big hitters, they're going to have that situation. Yeah. But they're, they're, they could be a team that could be worth watching. And I still say the, the Mets, if the Mets could ever get their act together, oh, the problem yeah. is they can't get their act together. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've seen a little bit of the Marlins. They're just a scrappy, fun bunch that kind of plays a little bit of that throwback baseball. And isn't it something how Derek Jeter got criticized in the beginning? I don't hear, I don't hear a lot of criticism now, right? He moves off the Stanton contract. I know they're paying probably too much at this point to have him play for the Yankees, but they still moved away from that. And and Jeter knows from his championship. <laughs> days that you don't win you don't win right. titles with those contracts you just don't uh unless you're you know the the Dodgers but even so their contracts aren't even anywhere near as bad as the Stanton one moves off of Yelich uh Yelich is hurt now with a bad back and hopefully it's not long term but at least in the current here and now Yelich is out Ozuna is a shell of himself uh from a couple years ago I, gosh maybe maybe the guy knows what he's doing well, he definitely knows what he's doing. And Dembo, I wrote about him when I was with the Yankees. That was a huge loss when Dembo huge. Uh, yep. uh, went. But that was a situation, I think, where there were certain people in the Yankees' Fed office who didn't want to like, kind of share the wealth. Uh, yeah. Of, uh, they were probably threatened know? by a guy who actually knows his stuff, you know? Yeah, and he really knows his stuff. Plus, the another thing he's done, and he did it with the Yankees. He did a great job with the Dominican players. Uh, you know, bringing uh, special teachers and lesson plans and things like that. So it was more than baseball. And, and uh, you know, to me, those are the little interesting things. And you got to see these teams stay with them. Cause they, and believe me, the Marlins still have their faults. But if you, from a pitching standpoint, you watch the Marlins pitching, to me, that's scary. And also, I think the Phillies are making some strides. The Phillies are making some strides to be a little bit better. Um, uh, but, but, but as far as super teams, I think we're in that situation. We're in the Rob Manfred era. We, if he had his way, he would have 16 teams in the freaking playoffs every year. <laughs> and it would just be, it would just be March Madness. That's all the truck. You know, it, it's so simple what they're trying to do. They're just trying to sell tickets for, for the postseason as many as they can. They're trying to get the TV, they're trying to help out their TV partners to get people to watch. 
And, and you know, he, I'm sure he had to be crushed this year that they went back to the regular playoff postseason system. Uh, but in the future, and I'm sure the players will sign off on it because it just means more money for them. But, uh, you know, it, it's it, w- there's no super teams, and that's by design. And uh, it's, it's really sad to see because there should be some super teams other than, I think, the Dodgers. And I think it's actually good for – and you know yourself, Mike, you've been around long enough. It's good for a team not to coast all the way. You know, and to be challenged and have some rough spots and grow from that situation. Because then when, when September, October comes around, you know, you're a little bit better and you're a little more battle-tested. Tell you what, Manfred's a clown, there's no doubt. And, and you know, you look at Denbo, too. I, I think about all this garbage going on with Gary Sanchez with the Yankees, and I'm like, you know what? Uh-huh. What, what would he have done to help Gary Sanchez? N- none of these guys are, are while, while Boone and Cashman have defended Sanchez and they've hung on to him too long, by the same token, there aren't many people underneath actually really understanding how to help Gary Sanchez. Well, that's a great point, and it's, I'm going to take it further than Gary Sanchez. How can they help anyone when they don't know? True. They don't know. When you start seeing, like I said, uh, I've been talking to a lot of scouts who have been a lot of not the minor league system uh, season has started. They've been to some games, and you know what a minor league game used to be like. You know, there'd be extra work um, before and sometimes even after. Sure. But there's none of that now. Now it's just all, it's just in the cage, hitting. iPads, uh, yep. And they can't even line up to make relay throws anymore from what I'm hearing. And 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 and, and they can't do the simple fundamental it's stuff. Unbelievable. But that gets back to the measurement of society that is running baseball now. They, they don't try to teach anymore. They measure, and they make adjustments via the uh, the measurements. Um, I had even heard, uh, I, I didn't confirm this, but I had heard with uh, one of the Yankees situation, it might have been a, a game in, in, the, in their own uh, complex against, uh, you know, minor players against one another. But they had so many, they had so many measurement devices out on the field that there was a, uh, a camera or something that the, the catcher had to make a play tripped on the camera and sprained his ankle you know uh because it was on it was in the field of play now um <laughs> that's how that's how crazy oh it's getting just God. you know let him play let him oh. learn from it and uh and that's why you see you know again getting back to labor tourists you know what that was that was an instinctive play from a kid who played up all his life you yep. know he was a younger kid who played up had, yep. to, had to be with the big boys that was a baseball play and uh, once teams realize, you, how do you beat the nerds? You beat them with baseball. It's the simplest thing in the world. And, uh, and yeah, you put egos aside, and you put the ball in play. You go the other way, and uh, and and you, and you and you and you play defense and you pitch. And you you can anybody anybody can turn it around quickly. No doubt, no doubt. Kevin Kern and Ball Nine are guests here on the ML Sports Platter. Just a couple more for you, KK. I'll let you run. Your your latest baseballer bust was was amazing as well. Follow the money. Let's hit some of the topics. Just tell my listeners about it. You get into that part of it, and then you get down into the uh, into the into the nitty gritty here with the automated ump, and then you've got the the Florida State League, which is uh, which is a, a, a just a complete and utter disaster, right? So uh, hit hit on those things a little bit. I can't believe when I read what you were writing about with the Florida State League sort of thing. I, I, I just my I, my jaw was on the floor. I know it's amazing about that, Mike. All the baseball writers in the country, nobody's writing about it. Unbelievable! Think, no one. If, if if I was still back in my newspaper days, I would I would have I would have uh, pushed to send me to Florida and let me look at this automated number right. thing and give you give you a report so mm-hmm. fans know what's coming. And it's how dumb baseball is too. I know we're picking on baseball, but 
they deserve. It's easy. Yeah. The, the automatic strike zone, whether you like it or not, if you think about it, it's going to be a little bit, there's, there's going to be no as much human error or whatever. So it's not going to be, the plate's only 17 inches. So it's only going to be whatever the plate is. And then I, I don't, I myself, I'll be honest, I don't know how they adjust it for each batter. I don't yeah. know how it's adjusted. Yeah. You know, you might have a five foot five guy, a six foot three guy. So how the hell, hell do they adjust? But the automatic, where do you, why in the world would you start the automatic umpire situation in, in low class A? Why do you want to make a postage stamp strike zone, essentially is what you're getting, in low class A? If you're going to do that, bring it all the way up to triple A. Where at least guys, you know, are a little bit more refined, know no what they're doubt. doing, yeah. have major league experience. But again, that's if you and I were in the room brainstorming, we'd yeah. bring that up and somebody, hey, don't you think we should sort this? Not where the kids are just learning and they're coming and can't know, don't know where the ball's going most of the time. Why, why don't we do this uh, up above? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. But, but it gets back to my original thought. Nobody in baseball knows what the hell they're doing. And they got this guy, Morgan Sword, who's running the minor leagues, who's, uh, you know, another Ivy League type. You know, who, who practical experience, he doesn't have it out there. And so you have the automatic strike zone. But here's the great part about it. And uh, from my understanding, they have catchers are still doing the one knee stuff, the framing stuff. So they're framing, they're framing for an automatic, automated strike zone. It's not a human. It's, you can't fool the, the, the camera or whatever the hell they measure it, you know. So. The, the only way the framing would work is if you say, okay, we're going to do it here no matter what, even though it doesn't affect because this guy's not a real person that's calling these balls and strikes. And, uh, uh, you know, so you at least get used to framing. But they're framing. Meanwhile, they can't. There's pass balls galore. While, and they're calling the other thing. Official scorers are calling everything a wild pitch when it's a pass ball, for one thing. I know pitchers are getting upset about that. So, so you have a, a guy on one knee. And why in the world? You know, I'm reading the book on the 1964 Cardinals, the Halberstam's book about that year with the Yankees. So and good. Such a great yeah, book. It's, yeah. it's a great book. And I haven't read it in many years, but I read it again. And, and, and the 64 Cardinals, the, the, you know what the feast they would have on this, 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 oh this type gosh. of Oh, my The baseball. speed and the pitching, they would they go undefeated. They, yeah, they'd be the, the first 162-0 team in history. <laughs> and, and, and that's my point. With the, oh, every my time, God. If I'm on first base and I'm half a decent race runner, and I see that catcher on one knee, I'm going. No I'm going. doubt. They're not throwing me out. And chances are they're going to throw it in the center field. Yes. And you're going to have a play like with labor. Oh and, and, and you can just take so much advantage of this. But because they're run by nerds, they won't let them go. So there's, they don't take advantage of that situation. That's just one small example. Plus, the other thing is there's a little delay. There's a little delay. So the fans are getting mad. The players are getting up. They don't know what the strike call is. Because <laughs> evidently, I guess there's a, so I don't know how it works. Like I said, if I was back in my newspaper days, I'd sit with the guys and figure out how it works. But there's somebody in the stands that actually does the calculation. And then they, they push a button and the ump knows, you know, I don't know, one beat, two beat, I don't know, strike. They might talk to them. But so there's a human delay there because the umpire has to get the call from the automated strike zone. So, so that's what we, that's what baseball's coming into. That's where they're at. And of course, some of the other points I made were uh, Lindor. Lindor, when he was rushing, when he was looking for the contract, he was hitting the ball to all fields. He was Mister Excitement. He gets the big contract. All of a sudden, 
all of a sudden the focus is gone. And even Chili Davis said something like that when he was uh, after he was fired that you know he'd like to see Lindor focus more. Uh, so now the focus is on the big contract, doing the commercials, doing that, wearing the jackets, doing this. You know, get back to playing baseball. His swing is so long right now for who he is. Don't forget, he he went home run happy after uh, yeah. after a couple of years, yep. and uh, they, they 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 can beat that. They can beat that. Pitchers. Are, that's and the other thing I want to make this clear. I'm not picking on today's. I think these athletes are the best athletes of all when it comes down to pure athleticism and what they can do. And but their understanding of the game is is negligible, and and they're not allowed to be themselves as we talked earlier in the segment about uh, Cole not getting that eighth inning. So so these if if they were at their best, this would be interesting to see. And I think you need to get you need to get base running back in the game, and you and you need to get also. Uh, competitiveness, that competitiveness that you're not going to beat me. Who's teaching that? The, we're getting generations now of ball players who, if they're good, they're going to perfect game, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're going to one showcase after another, one college thing after another. There's no games in there. And if there are games, it's just, okay, let's play, it's more of a scrimmage. And then uh, there's no more, uh, okay, to stay in the field, you've got to win the game the way I grew up, you know, and uh, so so they've lost their competitiveness too, so if you lose your competitiveness and, and you're, you're kind of like all the little fundamentals, you can't be as good as you could possibly want to be. Yeah, and uh, that pitch framing stuff, by the way, there were a couple of uh, frame pitches uh, in that Astros-Yankees series in that game three, Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole should have gotten, I mean, he should have had a couple more strikeouts, they extended him, and then obviously he had to throw more pitches, which, you know, just basically gave the Yankees more of a reason to, to not pitch him in the eighth inning, which was ridiculous. But the I mean the fact those pitches were striking mean, he threw balls down the middle. I mean right down the middle and uh and didn't get the strikeouts. Ridiculous. All right, fine well, the, uh, real, real quick I want to say about the pitch framing too yeah. uh, why why it's malarkey is that they may think they're framing the pitcher for the umpire and I talked to umpires about this. Uh again I talk to people, that's why I know so much. Uh the he's a human being. As I see the ball cross, he makes the call. Mm-hmm. No matter how they frame it, he's already made the call. Right. It's just it's, it takes that time. So the framing, essentially, I'm not saying every once in a while you don't still strike. It happens because the umpire, somebody's on, uh, load up on the on the inside corner of the shoulder, maybe can't see the outside. It does happen on occasion, but it's not nearly yeah. it's not nearly as good as it says for the teams. And if the other side. I, you know, I, I always talk about anti. You know, I lived down here in St. Augustine, and I, I visited the lighthouse the other day where they had a nice World War II exhibit, and and the and the submarines that were along the coast uh, in World War II. Well, how did we beat the submarines, uh, the U-boats? We had to go with the anti-submarine attack, and that's what I think baseball needs to do. You know, an anti-nerd attack. Uh, you know, and <laughs> just, it just yeah. whatever the nerds are selling, you you figure out from a baseball wise, and, and you beat them baseball wise, yeah. and before you know it, you're over the top. That's it. Yeah, let the battle begin. All right, in, in the last minute or two, g- give me some Willie May stuff, man. The say hey kid turns not turn ninety. Uh, is he the best player of all time? I know you've had plenty of time with Mays and Cooperstown. Throw throw me some Willie May stuff here. Yeah, I think you can make the. You know, I, I, I know this is going to piss off people, but I, I, I still go with Babe Ruth. You know, simply because what he did to the game. You know how he, you know, and, and how he became so big. And I know he was a little bit more one dimensional with the home runs, but don't forget he was a great pitcher too. Sure. Ninety four and eighteen. Ninety four and eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. So so 
So I, I'm, I'm always going to go Babe Ruth. But then uh, right behind that, if you're talking complete player, I'll go Mays. And, and the thing I learned about Willie Mays early on, Willie's a little bit of a contrarian. In other words, he's, he's a very prideful man. So, um, like, I, I, was doing a, uh, I was doing a story on Willie once, and I had to call him. And, again, I don't call these guys often because you never know when they're going to pick up. But I do happen to have his number, and I called him. And a friend of mine, another reporter, gave me some advice because I was, I was doing something about the catch, you know, the great catch, of course, uh, over-the-shoulder catch. And, and a friend of mine who knows him well said, listen, when you speak to Willie and if you want to get something about the catch, make sure you ask him about the throw. Don't ask him about the catch. Ask about the throw because he gets all excited about the throw. He's thinking the throw is the most. So that's exactly what I did. So – you know, and and he and he loved the fact that I wanted to talk about the throw. And then, of course, later on, he went into the catch and the details that I needed and everything else. And we talked baseball. And he's still he's still one of the sharpest baseball guys around. I mean, he knows the game inside and out. And uh, and and he still has that edge. That's my point. Ninety years old. Yeah. You know. You know. He still has that edge where I'm going to beat you. And, and you're not going to keep me down. I'm going to beat you. And I think that's what it takes to be a great player. And I think, um, you know, Barry Bonds, I can't tell you how many conversations I had through the years with Barry Bonds about him. Because Barry, Barry, whenever Barry was, you know, Barry would always talk about his dad, Bobby, and Willie, you know. And, and so, he, you know, the fact that Barry Bonds put him on such a pedestal speaks volumes of him. Because there are some people who look at Bonds and the things he did as as close to being the greatest. So, yeah, so he's a, he's a national treasure in so many ways. I know his eyesight's been going bad for a while. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I think they're going to have a celebration in San Francisco pretty soon about the birthday. So that would be a nice game to stay up late and watch. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well said there. By the way, uh, I just recently had Ron Bloomberg on. He's got that new <laughs> book on Munson. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've read that or not. I gotta, I gotta get that and, and read it. But uh, boy, he's a he's a treat to have on Bloomberg, man. Oh my goodness. Well, he's uh, you know he understands because uh, you know the periphery guy, and he's what I call periphery guy. Sometimes they gotta hang, to hang around and have a career. They gotta understand a lot of things, and usually those are the best guys to talk to. It's like when I covered football. I always went to the offensive linemen. Those guys always had great comments. They knew what was going on. Yeah. And then you then you deal later with a Lawrence Taylor and things like that. But yeah, so 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 I, I agree a hundred percent on that. And um, you know, there's so much. You know, well, even in the history again. Let's not forget the history because one of the things I wrote about last Sunday, it was called. Uh, you know, it was about Crowley, Louisiana. It was a team that had. A, it was an amazing story. And again, you got to go on Sundays. I write a little bit more in depth thing, on uh, and not not more about the past of the game. Although this Sunday I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to follow up on one of my early stories. It's going to be really interesting. That's all I can say about it right now. But it'll be a good one tomorrow. But Crowley, Louisiana, had this minor league team that they only had for a number of years, but it was the best small town in, a, in the world for baseball, the way they treated their players. And the things that happened in this small town, there's a book out by Galen, G-A-Y-L-O-N White, who's a great, he's kind of a Shelby Foot type guy that you see in a Ken Burns thing. No, he's 75 years old, got another career, and then he, he's melded into baseball writing books. It's phenomenal. And what happened with that team, but what he does is he brings you back to that era when the minor league teams meant everything to their town and their community. And when, when like when tragedy struck, the Believe it or not, the center fielder of that team got hit by struck by lightning and killed during a game. 
you know. So this little town, they raised like six thousand dollars for the for the uh, for the widow and the six month old son that the player had. So so you know, it's an amazing book about baseball. Life, life in the fifties, and uh, so, so when you pick up ball nine, you never know what you're going to get. There's no doubt, Kevin Kernan at AMBS underscore Kernan. All the amazing baseball content, uh, ball nine dot com. Again, give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, thanks a lot, Kevin. And uh, hey, New York State Hall of Fame pretty soon. I'm hoping to make it to uh, to see you get inducted there. I haven't asked for the uh, the clearance yet, but I'm hoping to get out there and uh, and see you. Congrats on that, and thanks for coming on. Well, the good thing about that, there's a lot more important people than me at that show. So that'll be a fun fun weekend. Yeah, I'll have to check in with the sources. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Mike. Always good to talk baseball in depth. The ML Sports Platter. Thanks for listening. Hit me on Twitter, at Mike L Sports. We're brought to you by Stanley Law Offices. Together, they'll work to get you the maximum Award. StanleyLawOffices.com for more information. A big tip of the cap. Thank you as well to Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State, Welch and Company Jewelers, and Rosie's Corner Pizza, Wings, Pasta, Hot and Cold Subs, and more. Plus, your fish Friday every week with a mac and cheese, coleslaw, and french fries as side options. Rosie's Corner on Grubhub in and around Central New York. Go get it on Facebook, on Instagram. Rosie's Corner, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Thanks again to Kevin Kernan from Ball 9. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. <gasps> She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at Marshall's. We travel to see what's around the bend and what we're capable of. And now Capital One's new class of travel card can keep up with you. Introducing Venture X from Capital One. With 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy. Venture X, for those always asking, where next? Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.